0: Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Uh, before you get started, if you're listening to this podcast on one of the streaming services the, uh, that stream podcasts like iTunes or Spotify, now you can watch Scripts and Scribes. Uh, thanks to everyone being on Zoom, we're recording these now. We're going to be posting them on our YouTube channel, so be sure to check those out. Um, we'll probably post them about a week after the actual podcast, although if we're going to try to release them maybe a little bit early for Patreon subscribers. Uh, but we will have the video up on our youtube channel so if you prefer watching these instead of just listening to them on an audio podcast then check out our youtube channel we'll have a link scripts and scribes so it's youtube.com slash scripts and uh, you should definitely check it out uh now on to the show Today on the podcast, I'm pleased to have back on an old friend who's been, I should say he's been a friend for a long time. Um, And he was formerly the director of development at the Story Company, where they produce such hits as Barbershop, uh, Think Like a Man, Ride Along, Fantastic Four. He's currently an independent producer, uh, although he still works very closely with billion dollar director Tim Story, and he's also a story consultant. Uh, Doug Griffin, thanks for coming back on, Doug. It's it's great to have you uh, back on the podcast finally
1: it's my pleasure I, I I love talking with you. I'd love talking with anyone intelligent <laughs>
0: <laughs> then why do you like talking to me No, I'm just kidding no I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, we've been talking about it for off and on randomly throughout the you know the past couple of years because you were on the podcast previously, and if you haven't listened to uh, our previous conversation with Doug, you can go to our website stripsandscribes.com and definitely listen to uh, Doug on the previous episode but we're we've got Doug now, so let's do let's do this let's talk to to Doug and find out. Um, first off, I I always like asking during this time how you're holding up. How are things in the Griffin household with everything going on with the pandemic and everything else going on with the country? Um, how are you
1: holding up? Uh, That's uh, very kind of you to ask that. Um, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm holding up well, and I know that's not the same story in every household. Um, uh, it's just my wife and i at home she is retired teacher and so she wasn't really affected she sure. she she likes to be home so you know the introverts are like yay we get to stay home so uh, she's one of those people that enjoys just being home uh, she d- makes sure her home is exactly how she wants it so she can get up every morning and she's just happy a camper and then now that she can order everything and people are delivering stuff, right. she's great. <laughs> I am an extrovert. I love going out. So I find excuses just to walk around the block or anything I can come up with because I, uh, so I miss people. So I enjoy this conversations like these. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. No, uh, it's great. But other, other than that, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks.
0: Um, and obviously The coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, has changed a lot in the world uh, for all of us. But specifically, talking about the industry itself, um, how do you see the industry changing from the coronavirus in the near future and also uh, and beyond?
1: Well, in the near future, um, we're going to have to be very creative on how to uh, Start production again um a friend of mine his nephew is doing a show well his son I'm kind of, it's, he's my nephew but um uh, his son-in-law and his daughter are doing a show so there's a camera crew set up outside their house um, there's cameras that have been placed inside and they've been given a script and the two of them, and so the director is directing them without coming in their house. Um, and it's a, so you have to write a show about a couple at home and what they're going through. So right. that, And since they're married, it works out perfectly. And then they can go from the room and they can, you can say, cut and do that again and start from the, uh, you know. So, so they have to be creative in how they're filming the show. And you have to just think more creatively when you, when you write. Uh, you still have to come up with good drama and good conflict and, and interesting stories that grab people's attention. But you you have to think more conservatively for now on how many sets you're going to use and how many actors you can use, et cetera. Um, so there'll be a lot more intimate dramas for a time being. But but once we're all vaccinated and, and immunized, et cetera, then things will go back to how they always have been for thousands of years, people telling stories in in creative ways.
0: Now, has that affected the material that comes into you? Do you see a lot of this stuff yet, or do you think that's coming?
1: Well, uh, half and half. I mean, people who want to get started filming as soon as possible have... I've just seen scripts with... uh, The scenes only ever have two people in them. And a lot of times they're outside in wide open spaces and a small casts. Uh, but people who want to get started filming in two months are writing small things. Um, but people who are are assuming a year from now we're going to be okay are still are writing the same kind of scripts they always did. So so I'm seeing both.
0: And is that the type of material that? that you think at least in the near future will be in other words what i'm trying to say is do you think that writers should go in that direction newer writers who are, should they try to write something that for this sort of marketplace this interesting dynamic of shooting during the coronavirus or write what you're going to write and go from there
1: if you're in a hurry mm-hmm. then you need to write something simple that can be filmed with just a few people um if you're in a hurry if you're not and I don't know anybody who's not in a hurry but I mean if you can (laughs) wait write write what you've always written because this too will pass and eventually we like I said we'll have found a vaccine and, and we'll be back to normal so I wouldn't sacrifice the integrity of a story uh just for the sake of getting it done this year, right? Uh, because eventually we'll be back, and, and so, um, I mean, writers hopefully we're already starting to think about writing more short form because the the phone is taking over, and younger people want to watch things on their phone and they want to watch five minute, and 10 minute, and 15 minute stories. So, uh, we, we, we will always want to sit down in the dark and, and be overwhelmed by some huge spectacle, so we'll always want to see. Titanic and Black Panther and uh, this new Christopher Nolan movie that's coming out I'm sure will be amazing and astonishing, but people want to hear stories when they're just on the subway and 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 have 20 minutes to get to work. So that's more of the change that is coming is mm-hmm. learning to tell short form stories that that someone can watch in 10 minutes on the break, 20 minutes on the break. That's that's the kind of the secret of where we're heading we have to have those also but as far as writing stories just for the next year to make sure it got filmed i i wouldn't worry about that this uh, producers want to stockpile scripts mm. and that's what the smart ones are doing they're they are stockpiling they're, they are taking this time to read a bunch of stories so they know when they get that funding going again when the studio opens again they're going to start okaying you know uh big budget things etc so um just tell a great story. Great stories will get read and they'll get seen.
0: Now, you mentioned stockpiling of scripts. In your experience, has it been producers, studios, networks, buying more material, or are they just taking more time to filter what's out there so they're like diving deeper into that slush pile?
1: They're, they're taking more time. Okay. This, this This would have been a good time... Uh, to get scripts read Hmm. when people had nothing to do. So if you you got a script into a producer somewhere between March and June, you did a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because here's the process. Uh, A lot of studios have a reader and you've got to get past that reader because the, the big studio executives don't have time to read. The the hundred scripts that come in a day, how, how would that be possible?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, uh, so there's some reader (laughs) who was hired and they've got a spark to your material. Uh, And then the producer will, and it's sad, but they've got a pile of 20 scripts on their desk. So they'll, they'll give you 25 pages to grab their attention. And if you don't, yay, I can throw this one away and go on to the next one. So they, they look for a reason to say no, because right. there's so many, right? So I'm trying to eliminate, 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 because I can only approve 10 scripts for this year for our, at our studio or 20, you know. So I've got 100 waiting. So I need to come up with 80 no's. So, so they give you time to grab their attention, and, and then they, boom. But from March to June this year, they actually w- would have given you more time. They actually, well, okay, maybe I'll go to page 30. Maybe I'll go to page 40 because they had nothing to do. And I won't even depend on my reader because it had to get through the reader first. Right. Right. From March to June, producers were saying, send me the script personally. I will, cause I have nothing to do. Please God send me a bunch of scripts. So uh, they were taking a deep a deeper dive the past three or four months. And now that's production is starting up. It things are probably back to how they've always been.
0: Hmm. And what have you heard about, because I've heard of all the regulations that are being set by, you know, the governor and now they're being agreed upon or negotiated upon by the different guilds and unions on what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. And they still sound a little tenuous and a little difficult, like actors having to be six feet apart, you know, all that type of thing. And you hear some things going back like soap operas where they have to have actors... If they're in a love scene then that it it has to have their actual significant other standing as a stunt double so that they're not getting in that close contact with other, you know, all this other kind of stuff going on. What, what do you see on your end in terms of how fast productions are ramping back up and, and what sort of time frame are we looking at? And with a second wave coming, will that bring everything back down again?
1: Right. These are questions that no one really has an, an answer to. And the studios, they don't know what they're right. doing. I mean, because they're, they're humans. I mean, not because they're stupid. No, the no, 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 no. no, no. The yeah. NBA doesn't know what they're doing. The NFL, the major right. baseball. Mm-hmm. Nobody, they're all just playing it by ear to, to try to see what works. So, um, But currently, what do you they- see
0: sort of production going, assuming it doesn't come to a screeching halt in the near future?
1: Uh, that they'll they'll take the actors. This uh, this idea came up. I heard uh, at a particular studio. They're going to take the actors and sequester them in a hotel. Hmm. And um, so, because normally, if you shoot a movie, I'm just talking about movies for right now. Sure. I don't know how what the heck television is going to do. Bless their heart. Um, but you're there for forty six. Not forty six, four to six or four to eight weeks total. Maybe you know, maybe two months filming. But a particular actor, unless you're the lead, may only come in for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. or you, you maybe be there for four weeks or five weeks. They, it's it's seldom that you they're much longer than that. So they're going to take the actors, and you'll ha- you'll 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 be tested first a week. A, two weeks before you go uh, so that in case if they've already cast you and you're incredibly important, uh, if you have something, you have to be quarantined so that they can, you know, test you again. Uh, And and so it's going to behoove the actors to make sure you self-quarantine if you know you have a movie part coming up because that could eliminate you. Um, And then you'll, you'll be in a hotel kind of like the bubble that the uh, NFL is trying, the NBA is trying to create in Florida. Um, And only the certain people will live there and the caterer will have to live there. And it's not like the NBA that has a thousand people that they have to worry about. You're going to have 60 as far as the crew is concerned and the actors, et cetera, and the producers. And then when your time is up, you get to go out of the bubble and leave. And then another actor will come in and, they'll have actors on the standby who have not tested positive in case you test positive. Oh yeah. Well, well, because production's got to keep going. So hopefully, you know, hopefully you're positive. So that's an idea as far as filming is concerned is to just put everybody, which they tend to do anyway. Uh, If they shoot on location, they put everybody in the same hotel. So it'll just be a regular thing. They'll just buy out a hotel and use it for their purpose and try to make the hotel and the drivers who drive you every day will have to live with you because they don't get to go home to their family and get infected and come and pick you up. So everybody will be committing, but you're committing for a short time Mm -hmm. for four weeks or six weeks or two weeks. So that's a plan for now. Um, And yeah. And then actors. So if you've been tested, if you've tested to get in, and you haven't gone out and you've eaten the food, because you know, in these movie sets, they supply all kinds of food and right. they feed you all day long. So you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go out to a restaurant, you don't have to go anywhere, we will feed you. You don't have to contact anybody. The caterer is going to cook for you every day. Uh, then you can do more intimate scenes because you know we know you haven't had any contact. We've tested you before you got in the bubble. So you can have fight scenes, you can do whatever you need to do. Uh, because you you've you know you're you're clear if however you're on a tv set like a soap opera and that kind of thing and those go on forever so they can't sequester you you can't be in a bubble yeah you're gonna have to stay six feet apart you're gonna have to do all sorts of uh really strenuous things uh and they'll test you with a thermometer as you come in the door and you know stuff like that so um but hopefully, so that's the crazy stuff that will have to happen for a year. Then, after that, once they have finally discovered the vaccine, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and we're good, then things will go back uh, to how they always were.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is it's it's always interesting to hear what's going on in terms of production-wise, and you, you read about it in the trades, and you read about it on Deadline, and. Uh, it's difficult to, so it's good to hear what, what your experience has been and what you're hearing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how it turns out in terms of locations, obviously shooting on a soundstage, living in a hotel, you can be shuttled back and forth, but once you open it up to different locations, you've got to sterilize sort of that whole location before you shoot it. And, you know, company moves and things like that become a little bit more challenging, but, you know, I'm sure they'll figure it out over time, but, um.
1: Yeah. Right. And I, I just read a screenplay by a young lady who's mm-hmm. about to get a deal with the studio. Uh and she eliminated half of her locations. She just decided oh. this doesn't have to happen at the cleaners and at the, 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 the this can all just happen at this one place. Right. Um so she she probably cut down her locations to two, actually. Oh. Most of the things happen in the house. Um and, and so uh, she just figured out uh, how to do that and have people coming and going from the house. Um, and they only go out, they go out maybe two or three times, but they always go to the same place. And she just has, people just happen to walk by while they're there. So she was very clever in how, how she redid her script. Uh, so they'll have to think about that. So, cause you, you, you don't want to go to 10 different locations. right? And so the audience will see simpler movies for a while. Uh, and then we'll go back.
0: So while we're not encouraging you to write contained screenplays, if you happen to have a contained screenplay, now might be a good time to uh, get that out there. Um, Exactly, exactly. So basically we're going to see a lot of contained thrillers and haunted houses and animation for the next year.
1: (laughs) Possibly. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of what we're seeing now, these scripts were approved a year and a half ago. Oh,
0: sure. And what's happening with with, with, uh, scripts that are that were bought a year ago or six months ago that haven't gone into production they're just on hold and indefinitely until they figure this out if they can't find a way to figure out how to shoot it like if you have 80 yeah. locations and you may not want to rewrite the thing to three or four locations you just have to put it aside for now i suppose
1: exactly you know? exactly and if you have something that can be rethought then there's a producer right now who's who's and you know, if you have a limited budget, there was a producer who did that anyway. Mm. There was a producer who said, Oh, we can cut 20 extras from this scene, and this cafeteria scene could just happen in the kitchen. And right. this, you know, so there who who that's their job anyway is to come and see how they can cut things down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so there's some producer somewhere who's going through every script that's been approved that was written in 2019 or a holdover from 2018, and they are trying to figure out. How they consolidate them.
0: Now, you have worked with Tim Story, billion-dollar director Tim Story, um, yes. for years, for a long, long time, as long as I've known you. Um, and you have obviously worked with him, you know, in producing and development. For those writers out there who may not be as familiar, what is? And we talked a little bit about it in terms of you know the the gatekeepers, the readers, before it reaches executives or producers or whoever but somebody like a tim story who's a director you know obviously an a-list director or producer um there's in, 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 in filmmakers who have their own production company there's a level of of state, steps to go through it's not even just reader to directly to tim it's you know reader to uh development exec you know, a director of development or somebody like that. And then it goes to, to somebody like Tim, maybe, or Tim's agent, or, you know, any, it, it can come from any number of areas that can come from Tim's agent. They can come through the company. Um, but maybe you can talk a little bit about that in terms of like, if you're a new writer, the ways to get, not necessarily just to Tim, but to somebody like Tim, like in uh, uh, somebody who has a production company, either a producer or a director, or a filmmaker, somebody who can get things made. How, what are the different ways that uh, a young writer can get their script read by, you know, somebody like Tim Story?
1: Wow. Well, um, here's what you want. Mm-hmm. You, you want to get your script to a production company, not necessarily a director um, unless that director has a production company. Right. And like there's, so there's two different types of directors. There's directors for hire mm-hmm. who are contacted by a studio once they have a film that's about to go into production. The studio's already bought the story from a production company, usually. Uh, the, the studio is the money. Right, we've got the facilities, we've got the money, but we're not going to produce your film. A production company is going to produce it. A producer is going to come in and produce it and worry about all of that stuff. We're just handing you a bunch of money, and then we're letting go. We are going to come in and complain about everything, but <laughs> to begin with we're going to hand you a bunch of money and then we're going to step back. Uh, so uh, once the pro- the pro- movie is in they decided, yes, we're doing this film, they often then go out to find a director. And so um, it's better that you go through the production company unless that director has a production company, which is what mm-hmm. Tim now has. Um, and let's see, if you can get an agent, there are agents just for writers. There's a lot of great agencies out there that exist that represent writers. Uh, you want to have your best script, your best sample, better that it's better that it's high concept and yet a good sample of your writing skill um, and you want to go to different agencies because they have their fingers on the phone and they are calling up this production company, or you want to get a manager. managers even better than an agent here uh in the movie in the movies, we see agents. But in the movies, they really aren't agents, they're managers, they call them agents. But that's not how agents work. Most agents are clearing houses for phone calls. Studios call them, people call them and say, what do you got, what kind of writer you got, we're looking for something. And they, they field phone calls all day. In the movies, you always see the agent on the phone, calling people up, trying to sell. That's what a manager does, a manager has six clients, nine clients, and they're really trying to get you they'll call you at midnight and okay, I got this great idea because they uh they don't have 200 clients like WME like William Morris Endeavor who might have 500 clients, you know. Uh a manager just has 10. And so if you could get a manager or get an agent, they will call up these productions companies for you. It's hard to get into a production company. It's hard to Hmm. It's hard to get them to read your stuff. I mean, do you ring the doorbell or, or I mean, don't I don't do I, that. I don't, don't know. Do that. <laughs> no, I mean, so I uh, it's it's uh, they take calls from agents. Now you might run into a producer, and that here's what's interesting. You you want to have your pitch ready at all time.
2: Hmm, the your infamous Tuesday elevator. Call, pitch. The elevator. Yeah. Right.
1: You want to have it. It's it's not fantasy. Because you never know, especially if you live in LA. I guess if you live in Iowa, it'd be more difficult. Right. If you live in New York, if you live in LA, you might be out to dinner. You might run into someone here or there. You might be in the elevator. That's why they call it the elevator pitch and say, Oh, yeah, I've got a great idea for a movie. But, you know, and they will say, Oh, well, send it to me. And you've got to be able to pitch it. You have their attention for one minute. So in life, just always be able to pitch your project, whatever it is. But the best way is to get an agent, have them contact these production companies. They go to the studios. They say, hey, we, here's what we wanna do and we're gonna attach this director, we're gonna attach this director. And the studios hear their pitches all day long. Sometimes studios develop their own projects that do not come from a production company. Um, but, but that's them, deciding, hey, I've got an, a great idea. What if we did a, a, a war movie with all zombies on both sides? Uh, the good bond zombies and the bad zombies. I'm making this up, right? Then they'll go out and try to find a director or find a writer, or find a production company, put it together. So, um, and they love their idea. You may have a better idea, but they love their idea. And, and so you want to be the sort of writer who says, oh, I can write that. Sure. Even if you hate it, you just want to get your foot in the door. So uh, so uh, it's difficult uh, it, it to get into a production company or get heard by anybody without an agent. But talent agencies are always looking for fresh talent. It's not difficult to get a script read by a talent agency or a manager. Because if you're the next hot thing, they want you.
0: Well, we found that in our conversations with a lot of agents and managers, that's true for managers, agents, can be sort of difficult especially if at a big agency they can sort of yeah, be big yeah. forget it but managers tend to be a little more open to it because they're always looking for clients and as you said they have a lot fewer clients you know they'll have 10 to 20 or less clients whereas agents will be on teams even if they're not the the primary they'll be on a team of 20 40 60 80 100 clients in that agency Um, They may have 40 of their own and then on teams of another 60, you know, so they're handling, juggling a hundred different clients. Um, So yeah, anyway. um...
1: Right. Listen, it's uh, the big agencies have clout, Mm. but the smaller agencies are easier to get into and they get phone calls too, just like the big agencies, you know, really the best way to get noticed is to write a simple five minute thing or 10 minute thing or 30 minute thing that you can film. Like a short. Um, yes, and, and get it out there. So enter into a festival and uh, because get it on YouTube. I mean, that's, uh, get noticed. There are people who are looking, it's like if you're an actor, Get in an acting class. Get in a showcase because Mm -hmm. there's agents who go out and they look at these showcases. They're trying to find the next hot person. So um, do your own small budget thing that's brilliant, and and that's one way to get noticed. If you have a short something, somebody they've got five minutes to look at it. Do they have two hours to sit down and read your your screenplay? But. I've got five minutes. Sure. I'll look at this.
0: When you had said that uh, you mentioned high concept and most people listening and watching this probably know what that means, but for the few who may be newer to the business What what is high
1: concept? Um, high concept is an idea. And I, I apologize to every writing snob out there of which I am one. High concept. It doesn't mean bad or simple or stupid. But it's something that can be explained easily. And because I've got a a one-minute commercial I've got to put on, and so I'm going to do a movie about uh, a Las Vegas showgirl who sees a mob killing, and now she's on the run, and she hides in a convent.
2: Hmm.
1: I see it. Okay. yeah, she saw my, and now she's going to be hiding in it. Okay, so you got this show girl, show girl pretending to be a nun, hiding in, in a convent. The, the thing is, the audience, we got it.
2: Hmm.
1: Ooh, I wonder how that's going to work out. You could almost write the ending yourself. That's high concept in that it's easily explained. We got it. We know where the conflict's going to come from. We know where the uh, problems are going to arise. Oh, that's good. and and it's and it's some sort of. Um, you want the audience to go well. How's that gonna work, right? That's that's high concept. Where you you've intrigued me now. How is there's a guy who had to be left behind on Mars, and they had to leave him, and now they found out he's still alive. Uh oh, they got to go back and try to get back to him before he runs out of food and oxygen. I
2: mm-hmm. got it.
1: It's Gilligan's Island on Mars. I got it. <laughs> you know, and how's that gonna work? Right. How's that? Are they going to get to them in time? I'm intrigued. So uh, high concept makes the audience go, I get, the, I totally get it. I see the whole movie and I'm intrigued. I want to go see that because I don't know how that's going to work out. You've created a situation, a conundrum, where I think, how's that going to work out? I want to see how that is resolved. There are plenty of movies that are complicated and that are complex. And you, you'd have to spend... 20 minutes just to explain Mm. because there's so many layers and they are wonderful movies but they are hard to get made because a studio doesn't trust you now if you have a track record so christopher nolan can make the most complicated movies i'm picking on him because i worship him Um, he can make the most complicated movies that's fine because he has we believe him so whatever he says he's going to do, we go oh, okay. I'm sure you can make that work, right? But for your first film, they don't know you. They don't know if you're going to be able to pull that off, and if the audience is going to want to see that. So for your first things, you want to do high concept, and you save that more complex movie, have that in your back pocket, because they'll always say, "Oh, well, what's your next film?" And you say, "Oh, well, this one," and it you know it takes place in five different time periods, and it has 20 uh, characters, and they're all named Bill. And, you know, so, and that's fine. But if, if you've proven yourself, then we're good. But Get Out was pretty simple. The title was just, get out, we got right. it. I'm trapped, I need to get out. You know, uh, and it was still a great movie, but totally high concept, you know? So something that you can explain simply, and that an audience wants to know, how is that gonna be solved? A studio wants that. They'll give you money for that all day long.
0: Now, when you were at the story company, where would most of the submissions come from? From other production companies, from agencies, from... I'm assuming most of them didn't come from random submissions. Although, you never know. Maybe there were a few here and there. Uh, Where did most of those submissions come from? Um, 50% Mm
1: -hmm.
2: came
1: from studios. Uh, Tim was fortunate... Um uh, that once, that his very first movie was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Barbershop maybe cost twelve million dollars, twelve to sixteen million dollars to do, and then it but it made seventy or eighty million dollars. so it's like, okay, you can here here's a blank check. We know you're good. So studios once they had greenlit a movie, would call him up this movie is going. Do you want to come in and quote unquote audition for it? They'll, they'll, they'll they'll talk to two or three different directors. So if a movie was going, Tim was always on a list. Uh, Please come in, talk to us. Um, You've read the script, pitch to us how you will do it. And he'd come in and here's my vision board of how I see the movie and the sets. And he was excellent. He is excellent at pitching a movie and, visualizing it for a studio. Um, So often a studio would contact him and say, we've already greenlit this movie. Do you want to do it? And, uh, but the other, he had a friend who has a production company, Will Packer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Will, who's produced a hundred movies, he's got to be the most prolific producer in Hollywood. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Um, He so he'd come and approach and like, I'm about to go sell this movie to this studio. May I attach you? Uh, You want to go in together and, you know, I've got the script, I've got the star and I've got the director. And so that was probably 40%. So it was half coming from studios, half coming from production companies, maybe a small, I left a little 10% of people who uh, knew Tim, So there could be an actor who might call up and say, oh, I've got a script or a production designer or so someone Hmm. in his sphere, uh, everybody's got a script. If you're smart, you've got a script somewhere. So um, they, so maybe a small percentage would come from someone we knew or from an agent who was looking to, um, who had a writer and, and when approach us for a possibility.
0: And of the projects that you were involved in or with at the story company in your time there, I know you were there for quite a while. Yes. Um, which one of them, or maybe you can pick one of them and, and maybe talk a little bit about how it came to, you guys and your involvement, in not just maybe something that was brought to Tim, hey, do you want to direct this? But maybe something that was brought to you guys that maybe Tim got involved in as a producer or as a producer director or something more than just being attached to it, but like he, you guys got involved with and took it out as opposed to Will bringing you guys something and saying, hey, do you want to direct this? I've
1: got an actor already. What? Well, hmm. I immediately right along comes to mind. Mm. Uh, Ice Cube wanted to play a cop. (laughs) Um, I'm just telling you know. Yeah, yeah. He played dads and had played and he thought that'd be fun too. Like we're kids, you know, Mm. and you want to play cops and robbers. He wanted to play a cop. Um, Kevin Hart by the way, would like to play a villain, an arch villain in some movie. He's tired of playing the um, goofy right. sidekick he does brilliantly, but he's, you'd be shocked what a versatile actor he is. I mean, you'd like, you'd be shocked. They keep putting him in certain types of movies because he's so brilliant at it, but he's, you'd be surprised what a good actor he is. And so he'd love to play a bad guy. So if you, you know. Um, so so Ice Cube wanted to play a, a, a cop, I think he saw Training Day with Denzel Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And and thought, that's I would love to do that. And and thought, well, I can't do training day, but what's what can I do that's similar? Um and so he started working himself, writing script working with the writer to to come up with an idea. I cause you know, and I want to play a bad cop. Uh so um he approached Tim and they talked about the idea and uh, I sat down with Tim and we worked on, a, on the concept of, of, of similar to training day, what if you had to take somebody along with you and then everything went crazy?
2: Hmm. Um,
1: and at the same time, we had just worked with Kevin Hart. Um, and so, how were we about to work with Kevin? Anyway, they were, Kevin and Tim were were friends and Kevin hadn't been, he wasn't Kevin Hart yet, you know? Right. And uh, so they thought, well, that might be a fun pairing. And so we, we, we worked on the uh, Tim and I worked on what could the story be? Why are, why are these two people forced together? Uh, And, and even once everything goes crazy, why do they stay together? and and uh what would the conflict be what would the art be until so we just we came with the idea of the guy trying to impress his brother in law and and he wanting to be a cop also and um and so we develop we took it and developed the idea and then we brought kevin and now I so I wasn't there with Tim and Will and then got and, and Will brought Kevin and um uh, cube to the studio and this and they they kind of impressed them with their chemistry. Cube and Kevin just sat in two chairs and laughed and talked and and the studio went, Oh, that's gonna work. I don't even know we don't even have a script yet. We just we do have the concept. We had laid out what the concept would be, but their chemistry, that's brilliant. Like Abbott and Costello, you can just see when something works. And so then we found writers and sat down with them and, and went through the whole developing of the idea and what, what's the Jeopardy going to be and who's the building going to be. And I brought, then they brought in another set of writers and then, then they brought in a polisher and then we went back to the original writers because they were good. And so we went through the whole process really just from a, an idea. I want to play a cop. Uh, all the way to production. And so I've, I've seen things, you know, go from where we kind of start the whole thing to a situation where they already have it kind of done and they're just handing the script to, to Tim. So we, I, we, I've been in both situations.
0: Well, and you mentioned that the part where it gets interesting is when you pitch the idea to the studio with Kevin and Cube, uh, Tim and Will, and they fall in love with it. They want to buy it. That you have your pitch, you have your story set up, and then you go out and hire writers. What was that process like?
1: Well, um, the Is, are studio... they people? Are
0: they writers Tim had worked with before, or did you just get a bunch of submissions and you guys read and picked ones you liked? How did that work?
1: It it, it has worked both ways. Mm-hmm. In in uh, sometimes uh, uh, there was a film we were producing earlier, and um, you, you might look at 10 writers you agents will send in their best scripts and you you might go through 10 or 15 scripts to try to find a writer that has the sensibility for how you think you want your movie to go
2: Hmm.
1: um a lot of times and this is actually a dispute in the the writer world and the actor world because a a talent agency, if they represent a director, sometimes they want their writer and their actors, and they kind of bundle them all together and hand them over to a studio.
0: Right. Packaging. Yeah.
1: That, that makes sense for the agency. Sure. Um, because they're going to get more money. So here's our best writer. We're going to recommend this actor. We're going to recommend, you know, cause they, we want to represent the majority of people on this film. So here they all are. um, that frustrates some actors and some writers and some directors because there, could have, there might have been an even better writer out there sure. uh, at another studio, at another agency, or better actor somewhere else that's never entered into the conversation. So there are actors, writers, the directors who are trying to actually ask that they stop doing that, stop bundling things together. And so you love it if you're at the agency, you suddenly get a phone call and say, hey, this thing is going. They've already got the director and writer. Do you want to be included in this package? Sure, you're not going to turn that down. But for the people who are involved creatively, sometimes you want to hear from other people. So on some projects that I worked with, Tim, we, uh, like when we had a deal at HBO for a while, we went around to each agency uh, mm. that was representing writers and we just, we met with them all. Uh, please give us some of your best projects, some of your best writers. And we would meet with five or 10 writers here at this agency there because we wanted to know everybody in town. Um, outside of the writers that we already knew at Tim's agency, we wanted to know who was out there. Uh, so sometimes you make that choice if you have that luxury. Uh, in the case of Ride Along, the studio had already been working with a certain set of writers. They, they already knew them, that these writers are great. They just finished this other movie. They get things done on time. They, uh, so sometimes, because when studios, it's their money, hmm. it's easy for you to say, oh, let's go out and find a new writer. But how do I know I'm gonna get this on time? How do I know it's going to be good? How do I know that this writer will uh, take our notes? And So when you know someone, And you've worked with them and you know that their track record, it's easier for a studio to say, We want to work with these writers. Do you mind? Right. And very seldom that you say, Yes, we mind, because you don't know if they're crazy and going, Well, we'll take the project back then and find somebody who doesn't mind. So, fortunately for us, these writers were very good. And the studio had already worked with them and they recommended them. We read their stuff. They always give you the option to read, they never forced them down your throat, but we read and said, Oh, they're very good. This, these are good writers. And and sure enough, uh, we, we thoroughly enjoyed work with them. And they did the sequel with them because they, they're just, they're very talented guys.
0: With the success, with everything going on in the world today, um, and with the success of films recently, like Black Panther, like uh, everything that Jordan Peele touches, Get Out and everything, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, what is what is the marketplace like for, for diverse voices out there?
1: Um, better than ever. I don't know if that's still great.
0: <laughs> better than, but yeah, better the is, bar was pretty low.
1: Right. Better yeah. is better than, worse than ever, you sure. know? So yeah, they, they want to, uh, if you're a person of color right now, especially if you're black, or if you're Brown, get those scripts into the studios instantly. Because there's enough guilt going around in all the studios, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and there's enough awareness and like, wow, we need to do more of, and listen, studios just want to make money. No, no one's sitting in a studio saying, even though that film would make a spoons of dollars, no, because you're a black writer. and Right. But they don't know what's going to make money. They know what has worked in the past. So sometimes mm. it's hard for them to recognize a new thing and know that that will make money. Right. But most of the studios are pretty liberal and they're always looking for a few films a year so they can go to different parties and say, hey, we just had a black film come out yesterday or we had a Latino film. You know, so they're they're looking. They want to do that and pat themselves on the back. And and, uh, uh, so that's always been true. Uh, But now they're aware, oh, maybe we don't do that enough. Maybe we only maybe it's only been tokenism. Maybe we just find Mm -hmm. our one or two. Black films a year, or Asian films a year, or, you know, and maybe we should make a more concentrated look and 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 really expand. A, a way, of course, to do that is to have more people who are Latino or Asian or Muslim or whatever, you know, in this, stu- have more women and, you know, more gay, more whatever, who are in power in the studios um, because they'll be looking for those that's what they're familiar with. Those are the worlds that they're familiar with. And, and they'll be looking for those sort of projects because you look for what you're familiar with. Um, but yeah, this is a great time. I don't know how long it will last. So so get those scripts in right now.
2: <laughs> right. Um,
0: and I, I wanted to touch base because I know we've been talking about it for a long time. In addition to your uh, independent development producing work, uh you are also a script consultant a, a a screenwriting coach as well you're you're dabbling in that a little bit and so i wanted to talk a little bit about that what what are you what are you up to with because i know you've been working on teaching and you've done teaching before and you've done a lot of that sort of development type work putting that in there to help newer writers out there uh, so what yeah maybe you can talk a little bit about script doctor
1: listen that that is my passion that's mm. always been my passion
0: because i know you I am, used to teach actors a long time ago i mean you were yes, a teacher
1: i'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher mm. at heart i really am a teacher at heart right uh, that's what i enjoy i was tim's teacher uh and he said you I, I want you to come and work with me
0: and that's legitimately you weren't like tim's teacher while you were working with him you were actually a teacher and he was your student
1: oh yes yeah yes, literally i just want to
0: clarify that
1: yes. I wasn't his teacher while I was working. Because Tim is brilliant. He doesn't need teaching <laughs> in real life. I was his high school teacher hmm. when he was in high school. So I've, I've known him since he was 16, 16 right. or 17. And we have a very funny story about how we met. And uh, he wanted me to I, – I, funny to me, I guess. I, I, I Anyway, he needed a sponsor because Tim thought he was going to be a rapper. Bless his heart. And, and so <laughs> – he had a rap group and he wanted a sponsor for his high school rap show. And he came and approached me and I said, I'll do that. If you get in the theater department, uh, we'll swap. You have to be in the theater department for a semester. And at the end of the semester, I will sponsor your show. So he got in the theater department. Uh, I made him do one of our shows. He, he, we did a chorus line that year. He had to be in the opening number singing, God, I hope I did it with, you know, hundred other people on stage. He gets cut, right? Uh, because you, you cut all the actors and you're left with just the 17 who made it. And everybody mm. else is cut. And Tim would get in his car and drive away. I didn't know that. But uh, so he did, his, he was on stage because he doesn't want to be an actor. He wanted to be a director mm. once he let go of being a rapper. Um, but we became very good friends. And so I I was his high school theater teacher. And uh, we just stayed in touch all while he was at USC in film school and he would show me his project and I would advise him and coach him because personal coaching is my favorite thing to do. In fact, many of my students after they graduated high school would still call me up and still call me up to this day. um, When they're working on a project, when they're working on a script, I have students that are on Broadway. Uh, One one of my students is, was until February uh, in Hamilton. He was, aiming, uh, I want not say Raymond Burr, but that could Aaron Burr. Uh, uh, anyway, I have, I have students who've recorded uh, hit albums, who've been in movies writers, and I continue to coach them. Personal coaching is my thing. But what I love most is story structure and mm. storytelling. And so whenever Tim and I would take on a project, I would be assigned to the writers to personally sit with them and. And go with them through the whole process of developing developing the scripts, and and I love that. I love that. And in fact, many of those writers would call me later, even though when they were working on another project on another studio, and say, Psst, "Hey, can you read this <laughs> and give me your opinion on you know?" Because I'm good at deciphering notes. I'm good at saying, "Oh, here's what the studio really means." And right. I, I I in fact can I do you mind if I tell you how this all Oh, please you have time yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. Um, I would sit in on phone calls quietly when Tim was talking through studios, so they don't know that I was there listening, but uh, they would be discussing the script with the writers, with the other producers, and I would just sit and listen and I came to the realization that they were often talking about two different stories without realizing it. Mm. They thought they were talking about the same story, but they weren't. And and uh, and I thought that story is never going to come together because they don't realize they are telling two different stories. There's a myth in Hollywood that there's only one story. Um, there's that famous book, the right, the, the hero's journey, right? And 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 there's some other good books. There's a book called Save the Cat. It's that's so brilliant about make sure you like the the character. Uh, so you got to make him save a cat. And that way, because the audience has to love the character or they won't go with them on the journey. That part is brilliant. However, that book and many others subscribe to the idea that there's just one structure. And and a lot of times we, we try to make all stories fit into one structure. But there's really seven different stories that we tell, seven different types of structures. And so I would hear studios and I would think, oh, man, if I could ever teach a class someday, I'd love to get studio executives or get writers in the classroom and say, here are the seven kinds of stories there are. You guys are trying to cram these all into one story. Famously, Kevin, if you – I'm just taking over if you don't mind. No, please. Oh, good. Uh, famously, I I, I sat uh, – um, there was a movie called Flight. Is it okay mm-hmm. to be this specific? Sure, name, absolutely. actually, movies It actor. helps, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. There's a movie called Flight with Denzel Washington. It was really fantastic, and probably should have won Best Movie or should have made much more money than it did. It's such a great movie, and he is such a great actor. Mm-hmm. But it had a it had a flaw, uh, and so people left the theater loving it, but not satisfied as they should have been. I, I got a lot of calls saying, "Boy, I love that movie," but. Something was wrong. I don't know. I just didn't. I felt funny when I left the theater. Like, like something that, like, there was something off in it. And I should have loved it more because that was like one of the best acting performances I've ever seen. It's a great high concept situation. Well, I, I went to. um They had a seminar where the director was present and the writer was present, and the writer was describing a redemption movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the director was describing an escape movie. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, that's what happened. They were telling two different stories. The writer was writing a story about an alcoholic who had to finally come to grips with his alcoholism and confess. Because it has to be confession. There has to be, yes, I'm wrong. I've got to change my life. Because I think he had gone through that. He had been an alcoholic earlier in life, or he knew someone. And so he wanted, so he found a great way to do this. What if someone's alcoholism had put a plane in danger? They would finally have to admit and say, yes, I put it in, you know, I was wrong. Okay. The director, who I think had around that same time, uh, People had been pretty heroic in in planes. Pilots had done some pretty heroic things, like some one guy like landed a plane in the water. And, yeah, Sully. And or he, right, yeah. he wanted to tell the story of a guy who was wrongly accused, mm. who had saved the plane, but actually was accused. So that's an escape story. When you are innocent and somebody's wrongly accusing you, that's an escape story because you you're, you're in prison that you you know, and and you need to get out of it. And we root for you to get out of it because you don't belong there. If you do belong there, we don't root for you to get out. If you really are a drug dealer, we're not saying, I hope you can escape. But in an escape movie, we're rooting for the innocent to escape. In a redemption movie, we're rooting for the guilty to confess. Mm -hmm. Those don't work in the same movie. So when you watch Flight, he gets drunk Uh, before and takes drugs before he gets on the plane but that's not why the plane messes up right it's not his fault so he's innocent of why the plane messes up so so the director made sure that it wasn't his fault and he actually saves their lives so you're rooting for him to escape he's accused there that company doesn't want to pay the insurance money and they're gonna blame him and you're secretly rooting for him to escape. But at the trial, he confesses and says, okay, I got to tell you the truth, I had a drink. And and there's an expectation, at the beginning of a movie, the audience, the, the, a good writer or good director tells us what the story is, and so there's an expectation. We know how it's supposed to end. We, if it's a save the village movie, then at the end, the village is supposed to get saved, you know? Right. Um, the, and the, at the end, Black Panther is supposed to win. So even though he starts to lose, you know how it's supposed to end. If they all die and get blown up at the end of Black Panther, like, what
2: was that? He <laughs> right, him. right. Or if,
1: he, or if he blows up the village, you know, the Black mm-hmm. Panther himself turns around and kills everybody. You go, wait, he's supposed to be saving the village. That's how it's supposed to end. And so we're angry at the end, right? So uh, in a solve the riddle story, they're, you're supposed to solve the riddle at the end. And, uh, you know, there, there's various stories. There's seven different kinds. And the audience knows in the beginning which story you're telling us. At least they do in a good movie, right? Mm. And so we know. And So at the end, we, you've got to give us that expectation. If I tell you, hey, Kevin, I've got the funniest story. It's hilarious. It better be hilarious at the end. I'm going to be disappointed. Right. You can't say, Oh, <laughs> I've got the funniest story. Uh my dad my my, my, my dog died. Right. You're like that's not funny. And right. so we're angry because you didn't give us the ending we were expecting, right? Mm. So in an escape story, we're expecting this person to escape, especially if they're innocent. He saved the plane. He saved everybody's life. Yet at the end of the movie, he ends up in jail. Mm. So people left the movie going. That's because the director was telling an escape story. The writer, they wrote a redemption story, but that means that it had to have been his fault. In a redemption story, you did something wrong and you ultimately have to pay, right? And so they should have written it. If it's a redemption story, he should have gotten drunk and made a mistake in the beginning and it's all his fault and then finally he confesses at the end. And then at the end, when he confesses and goes to get help and he's in prison, we would have said, yes, good for him. Because we cheer on those people who finally get help. At right. The end. But we, we aren't cheering it in that movie because you told us it was an escape story. Mm. And so he ends up in jail. And so people left the theater like, that was good, but... So I, I think, boy, I wish I'd been able to sit those two people down, the director and the writer, and said, hey, you guys need to choose which story you're going to tell. And right. that's what I want to do with every writer who comes to me. I, I just read a great script, the other, uh, a horror story, by this really talented woman writer. I believe she, that she's going to go to a studio. She's going to get this deal. They're, she's great. She's like the next big thing. But she also was telling two different stories in her script, and I was able to read it for her in my personal coaching and point out to her, here's the two different stories that you're telling. Which one do you choose? Hmm. And she, when she picked one, then she was able to fashion the story and now it's so clear and you read through it and you go, this is such a great script because it's clear what story you're telling. You can have complications arise. That's not the problem. But what has to be simple is what the goal of your protagonist is what is he trying to do? What can be complicated are the obstacles that he comes against, but what has to be clear is what the person is going after. Do you, do you know the movie The, the Departed?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The Departed, uh, what are the two actors? Uh, uh,
0: DiCaprio
1: DiCaprio and, and, and,
0: Damon?
2: Matt, Matt, and Matt Damon, Damon. Mm-hmm.
1: Loves that movie, one of my favorite movies It's a, it's a pure solve the riddle story one guy knows there's a mole in the, the police department and he's going to find out who it is. And the other guy knows that there's a mole in the gang and he's going to find out who it is. You know, they're like, they're doing opposites, right? Uh, uh, the DiCaprio has been planted, I think, in the gang to find out who the police mole is. And Matt Damon's been planted in the police to find out who the gang mole is. Simple. It's just solved the riddle. Who's the, who's the, who's the guy? But all the complications were fantastic, right? But the, the it's simple from the beginning, it's a simple concept. Who's the mole? That's all it is. That's all it is. And yet it's about to win best movie. Well, one best movie, right? Because the complications they threw in were were. So at, with writers, I read your stuff and I and I help you see what story, which of the seven stories you're trying to tell, and and help you come up with the complications to make it a fantastic script but keep you single focused and if there was anything that i discovered over the years of reading uh i must have read three thousand scripts from the 18 years i was working with tim story yeah (laughs) and that's that's not an exaggeration no 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 uh is that writers sometimes are just telling too many stories at once so I don't I don't know what it's about. You read it and you go, "What's this about?" I don't know where it's going because they cram too many ideas in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, again, ideas is not the same as complications. It's okay to have complications.
0: Sure, but they have
1: too, they're telling too many stories, and they have they don't know which story they are telling of the seven. Right. So I finally opened my personal coaching. Um, it's scriptdoctor.biz. <laughs> ScriptDoctor.biz, right? It? There's an org and a com. There's a dot com and a dot org. But I'm ScriptDoctor.biz, and um, so that I can coach writers, so I can just spend time. So that's that's what I'm doing now to help writers find their story and tell it the best way they possibly can.
2: Right. That was well, a long answer.
1: I don't even remember what the question was because it was two minutes ago.
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter. We got we got a lot of great information. Um, but quickly, you you say that you help writers define what are the seven stories? What are the seven stories?
1: Thanks. Ah, okay, okay. So there is chasing your dream mm-hmm. where uh, you suddenly become aware of some need that you have or like Rocky, I need to be the heavyweight champion of the world or Ford versus Ferrari, oh. uh, uh, right? I want to I win this race. Um, mm-hmm. There is avenging the crime. Okay. Like taken.
0: Mm, right.
1: Right. You're, that's not his dream. Oh, I dream someday of being the Avenger. Right. Something has happened. And in, the, in those situations, you're the only one that can solve it. Mm. Right. You, the police, for some reason, can't. Uh, uh, the Revenant, that mm. Leonardo DiCaprio movie where they, they leave him for dead. And, and you're, you're, you're going to get revenge. Right. So it's a revenge movie. You're not chasing the dream. It's, it's not some need, some, the, I got to get the girl. I'm, I want to be president of the United States. There's some crime that has happened that you are going to solve like gladiator. I mean, there's gotcha. a whole bunch yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, redeeming. There's a redemption movies. You did something wrong and you may try to hide it for a while, but you've got to eventually pay, confess and pay the price for what you did. So you're at fault opposite a revenge movie, somebody else has done something to you or to someone that you love. Hmm. But in a redemption movie, you're the villain, and you ultimately, after hiding from it and trying to avoid it, have to eventually confess and deal with it and then make up for it. Uh, Manchester by the Sea did that. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, hmm. he he leaves his buddies after building this career with them, and, and then he has to eventually, you have that climactic scene where there's redemption, where he makes, makes up for it. In Green Book, uh, the white guy starts off a, a racist. And by the end, he realizes, oh, I'm looking at blacks all wrong. And, and he redeems it. It's his movie, as much as we wish it was the black guy's movie, it's the white guy's movie. But uh, it's about him uh, right. redeeming his soul uh, ultimately. Um, so, chasing your dream, there's the avenging the crime. There's the redemption movies, redeeming your soul. There's escape movies, escaping your prison, which we've already talked about, like 12 years of Save. Mm -hmm. Gravity is an escape film.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: Get Out is an escape film. Right. right? Um, Moonlight Mm. was an escape movie. Sometimes you're escaping the culture. You're escaping the prison of your own home, right? um escape movies but you didn't create has to be something that you did not create unlike a redemption movie where it's all your fault oh right it's the opposite of an escape movie so that's why we're rooting for you to escape redemption movies and escape movies are opposites solve the riddle like hangover right Mm -hmm. where's doug our best man where is he no he's not the best man he's the groom where is he and they spend the whole movie trying to find him there's not a crime that's been committed. They're not redeeming themselves. They're not escaping. They're not chasing the dream someday of being married. They just need to solve the riddle. Uh, born identity is a is an example of a solve the riddle movie or Knives Out, right? Sure. Um, Rescue in the village. Uh, it's not about some dream you have of winning the girl. They, you take some unlikely person, some unlikely, uh, like in The Dark Knight, it's got to be someone you would never think would do it. That Those are the best ones. And anyway, you make this decision that it's up to you to save everybody. Sometimes they can see what the problem is. Sometimes they can't. Schindler's List, uh, The Dark Knight, Black Panther, uh, 1917. Okay. Just recently. Right, spotlight, right, right.
2: Spotlight, right?
1: Mm. These are all in it, Spotlight. I'm going gonna to find out the villain and, uh, and to rescue all these kids, you know, retroactively, who were abused, we, we, are, we are finding the, the villain. Even in iRobot, people didn't realize that the robots were the villain, but it was up to Will Smith, you know, and he's gonna rest so whether you know you're enslaved or not, the, the, there's that unlikely person who's gonna come and save everybody. And finally, number seven is surviving your choice. So okay. in that movie, unlike in the Chasing Your Dream movie, the dream is way out there, the thing that you want, and you spend the whole movie chasing after it. And then you may decide once you almost get it, oh, I really don't need this, I really needed her, I don't need Robin Givens, I want Halle Berry. I, I went back to whatever that film was, uh, Boomerang. But, but um, in a Surviving Your Choice movie, you get it right away. You get it instantly, what you were looking for and then now you're trying to survive your choice. Hmm. And Parasite, they got to move in to that house. That's what they wanted from the beginning, that it's not about a family trying to move in, it's about a family trying to survive after they've moved in and right. everything goes crazy. Uh, and The Godfather, just going back to a classic, Michael Corleone was on the outside. He didn't want to be, it wasn't his dream to be The Godfather, but, he, he got pulled in and he made the choice, now you have to survive your choice, to insert himself and kill the, these mob guys, you know, with the gun that was hidden in the toilet. And now he's got to survive for the rest of the movie. Uh, it's surviving your choice. In the, uh, in the Joker,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the favorite. You remember the movie The Favorite with the, the queen and the...
2: I it, don't it's, remember. It's,
1: really. her, the, it's okay. Loving. Loving was an example. It was about the black woman who married the white guy. Their last name was Loving. They get married in the beginning of the movie, but they're in is it West Virginia? And now they have to survive their choice. Everybody hates them, everybody's right. mad at them. So it's not a movie about him chasing her the whole movie. In a surviving your choice movie, you get what you want immediately. Right. Can you survive that choice? Like in the blind side. Sally Field uh, decides to, you're thinking, how is that surviving a choice? She chooses to pick up this black guy on the side of the road. Not Sally Field.
0: Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Yeah.
1: Sandra Bullock chooses to pick up this uh, black guy on the side of the road. In the rain, it's crazy. But she she makes that choice, invites him to her house, and now – you have to accept everything that goes with it. You, hmm. In a surviving your choice movie, you you rub the lamp and the genie comes out and now you got to survive your wishes. You get what you want. Will you survive? And they spend the rest of the movie, she spends the rest of the movie, surviving the consequences that come with having this black man live at her house. Hmm. Um, and it's not always horrific consequences, but the point is you've made a choice in the beginning of the movie. You make a choice and now... Can you deal with it for the right. rest of the time? So, I, I those are the seven um, story types, and I help writers decide, figure out which story are you telling. Which of the I, I describe them to them, and they go, "Oh, I see. I'm, I'm I'm really doing a survivor choice movie. Oh, I'm doing a redemption movie. Oh, now that I know clearly what it is, then we know where it's got to end up." and we and there're specific structural choices that are unique to each story so the things that w- that would happen to a your protagonist in an escape film that would never happen to a protagonist in a redemption redemption movie the things that happen in a chasing your dream movie that you wouldn't do those same things you wouldn't have those same so, sort of our, uh, obstacles in a surviving your choice movie so once you know which sort of movies your story you're telling, then you know which sort of obstacles to put in, which sort of characters to populate it with, what sort of archetypes you need, and how to raise the stakes and have a satisfied movie. Because we're satisfied if at the end of Get Out, he gets out. Right. You told us that what you wanted to do, and he made it. Yay! We cheer at the end because what you told us you were going to do, you did. We're not satisfied if we're confused as to what is it you're supposed to be doing and then the movie ends and we and we don't know to clap or not because things happened but we're not satisfied because we didn't know that where it was going and oddly enough we have to know where you're going not how you're gonna get there sure but where you're going in order for us to be satisfied how you get there is that's the coolness of the writer all the little twists and turns he throws in but the audience wants to know where you're supposed to go so that when right. you land there, they can go, yay, you made it. And we cheer at the end and all the best writers know that. <laughs> I have such long answers.
0: No, it's great. Um, and lastly, what, what is a bit of advice, a, a tip or something you want to say to the, the writers out there uh, that you want to share your wisdom with? What, what advice do you want to give to them?
1: Um, find compelling stories uh, that are universal, but um, but but put your characters in a situation where somebody hearing that—I think I said that right at the beginning—would go, "Oh my God, how's that going to work out?" Um, those are the stories that anybody would want to hear. Try to write what you know. You're going to be, you're going to do best writing people that you know and situations that you know, your story's going to be more authentic. If it's your situation, Uh, but take your situation that you're familiar with and heighten it and, and come up with the way to make us go, Oh my God, how's that going to work out? Right. But, but, the more authentic you can write, meaning you know the, I, I just find people are writing characters and people that they don't know. So they, they have a fake voice and you can tell, like you, you've never been to England. Why are you writing a story about an English professor? You know, um, write, write, you're gonna write best what you know what you have lived, but just find a way to make sure that that situation is, is heightened and, and, and compelling.
0: Thank you for coming on, Doug. I really, really appreciate it. It's always great talking to you.
1: It's been a while, but it's great talking to you. Yeah, I miss talking to you, Kevin. You're pretty brilliant.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. I mean, are you going to stick around for the after show for a few minutes? Oh, definitely. A few more questions for you? Great. Um, So be sure to check out, do you have social media at all or just script Dr. Dobiz? Do you have any other, like Twitter, Instagram, anything like that?
1: You know, I have a Twitter. I have an Instagram. Do you don't use them? No. Okay. (laughs) But... Yeah, so if you're interested, yeah, at all, yeah, you can check out my website, uh, scriptdoctor. Yeah. Um Yeah, perfect. So
0: do that, and uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, and hang out for the uh, the after show, which will be on Patreon. So thank you so much,
1: Doug. Sure, my pleasure.